great. Yeah. Very good. Thank you, Yvonne. So I'll, again, I'll repeat it. Yvonne's saying, actually, in coming here, they've met people they wouldn't normally meet, got a common interest, they can form a bond, but then they can also meet you know, back at home, taking someone home for lunch, as you often do, or meeting in other ways. So it's the instigator, not the end, Kathy says. So yeah, we're not trying to say there is no church in the building. Please don't get that message. That's not part of the goal. But part of the, the challenge is to step outside that and say, what does my faith look like not on Sunday morning? How is it beyond that? And, and working with, walking with God and, and studying his word, reading it devotionally as a, um, you know, one of my friends, uh, one of my favorite pastors says, read this for relationship, not just revelation, not just as a ritual. You know, John says in John chapter 1, the Word, he's describing Jesus as the Word. We have a relationship, Jesus is a person we can have a relationship with. So, you know, with the activities were devotional studies. And whether you, you know, use your Bible on your phone and get sent Bible studies every morning, or whether you follow a book, or whether you, you read um, led by the Spirit, it doesn't matter. But let us be the church, and let us not confine church to a building, or a time, or a meeting, or even a set group of people. Let's see what God's doing in extending us and challenging us. I want to continue on that theme this morning, very, just very briefly. I want to share some thoughts with you. And I would ask you to turn to Acts chapter 1, which I read from this morning. Because I've, I've been looking at the, what we would call the newly formed church. So the narrative of the Bible, the story that we read about Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, they're all about the life of Jesus. And each one of those Gospels tells a different side of the story. You know, Matthew wrote his account for a specific audience, the Greek audience, the, the ones that were more legalistic and following um, patterns. And, and John, well, his book is just a book of love. And, and, and um, there's a book of miracles. And now Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts. And, and as I said, he, he opens it up. This is, I wrote the former letter, O lover of God, of all Jesus did, and now he's following it with the, the, the continuation of the ministry of Jesus in the church, and it's the new church. It's the newly formed church. They were referred to once in here as Christians, but they were often called followers of the way, being Jesus. And I just want to pull out some, some points really to challenge you today. Uh, if I might do that. And then we're going to come around the Lord's table as we close. So I'm looking at Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. And um, forgive me if I stumble, because as I said to you last year, I'm preaching out of a different Bible to, to stretch myself. So this is not my normal preaching Bible, and sometimes the words are in different places and they sound different. So let's go. So it says here in verse 3, To whom he presented himself alive. And, and who is the whom? It's in the end of verse 2. It's those he had chosen. I just want to get right up at the front there and say, you know, we need to really appreciate that God, Jesus, wants to connect with us as his chosen ones. And, and that's not a barrier to say, well, you're good enough to come in and you're not. That's an invitation to be part of that. And that's what the Lord's table is about. And we're going to come back to that thought as we celebrate communion today. So I'm just going to walk through the words. Uh, to those he presented himself, uh, 
alive. He presented himself alive after his suffering. Again, the, the sacrament of communion and taking a cracker, remembering the body and the juice to represent the blood. This is about us remembering that Jesus Christ died and was resurrected by God in order that we could be part of that chosen, part of that family. And, we, and, and that's got to be the anchor, the anchor of our faith. Last night in our conversation at dinner, a friend of mine said he had heard something recently that helped him to uh, more widely appreciate different churches and different viewpoints. And he said the model that he heard or read about was called VIP. VIP. And he said the first thing that we've got to understand, the V, is there are things that are vital to Christian faith. And whether you go to this church or that church, or whether you sit at home and break bread around your table, whether you go and have coffee with someone you don't know, there are things that are non-negotiable about Christianity. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We believe in, a, in God being a triune God, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Father resurrected and rose Jesus from the grave in order that we could receive him as our Savior. These things are vital. We can't debate them. We can explore them. But they're true, and they should never, ever be um, something that is taken away from our faith. The second thing, VIP, is what's important to you. You know, different churches, we, we celebrate the flavor of Christian churches in Tiamudu. I enjoy meeting with the other ministers, and we pray for one another. We pray for our town. We pray for you. There are some things that are more important to Julie, who is the vicar of the Anglican church, than to me. There's a preference in liturgy. There's a different type of study that is important to them. And when you meet with your friends, perhaps you have family members who are Christians or others. We sat and debated things with family members over a, a meal as we traveled this, this summer, Kathy and I. And there's a difference of opinion on a few things. There's some things that are really, really important to them that I'm like, mm, I'm not really going to argue about that one doesn't change the fact that we both love the Lord. And then there's P, preference. Some people love loud music and smoke machines and lights and show and big crowds. And other people have a preference for small intimacy or um, a, a quiet, quiet study. Preference. So this, my friend was just saying that there are things in the church that are vital to us. There are things that are important to each person, and there's preference and flavor, and that defines where people end up. But let us not miss the vitality of the Christian faith that Jesus Christ, it says here, after his suffering. That's vital. Without that, that's the key. That's the gateway for us. Then uh, Luke continues to write in verse 3, he, by many infallible proofs, well, some translations would say after many miracles or miraculous events, there are miracles all around us. I was contemplating uh, a few things the other day, and, and you, know, you look for the supernatural and signs and wonders that knock you off your, off your perch, that, you know, like raising the dead or something really miraculous like a car park right outside the door of the warehouse. You know, we, we celebrate those things, don't we? But this guy, in the reflective reading I was doing, he's like, well, what about the miracle of love? Being loved, being seen and being loved. Being part of a family. What about the miracle of being able to breathe? Because some have lost that. Health. You know, we've got, we've got family at the moment with very poor health. And this morning I just had to pause and as I was praying for my dad, I was thinking uh, how grateful I am that I have my health. 
Miracles all around us. Man, the, 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 the morning this morning was glorious. And I bet there were some of you up before me that saw the more glorious part of it. But it's a miracle. You know, like there's so much around us that points us back to God and the miracles that Jesus has made available for us. And then he says there, being seen by them, so being witnessed during 40 days. Whenever you see a period of 40 days in, in the text, you know that it's a period of preparation. Jesus went out into the wilderness and was tempted for 40 days. Israelites were ejected out of Egypt and slavery by God, miraculously through the Red Sea, and then they wandered through the desert for 40 years. It's a period of preparation. And this is the key thing for me in this space. I believe as a church, as the church, in fact, we're in a time of preparation. And this passage explains what we're being prepared for, which I really love. But let's not miss the fact that we're being prepared by God. And then finally in verse 3 he says, Speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I believe there's a bit of a prophetic edge on that part of the verse for us right now. And that is that Jesus wants to release revelation about the ways in which we are to live in the culture of the kingdom of heaven. You know, we pray as Jesus taught us to pray, Lord, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We want it. We believe it. Jesus has shown us we can obtain it. But the reality is Jesus wants to bring that revelation to us. And so I'm really wanting to encourage you, each of you, that as you journey, whether you're driving in the car, listening to Life FM or perhaps a sermon or perhaps a song, or whether you're at home and having your quiet time, expect revelation. Expect Jesus to speak to you. Ask him to show you something. Jesus, as it said here, would you speak to me of those things that pertain to your kingdom? And I have an expectancy that God's going to speak to people. And I'd love to have those conversations with you. What's God saying to you? What are you sensing? How does that represent it in Scripture? Because I believe as the church, God speaks not just to the pastor, not just to the elders, but to the people. And that the conversation is actually what we call church. Chatting with one another over a coffee or a meal or a, uh, just a walk around the lake. God wants to speak to us. So expect the prophetic utterances of God to come to you. And in fact, desire them. I love the beginning of verse 4. It says, and being assembled together with them. It comes back to what Janet said earlier. We're actually created to be with one another. When we're not with one another, we should be missing each other. We should be looking out and going, oh, I didn't see so-and-so. I wonder how they are send them a text or knock on their door or take something to their home. This is why connect groups are so vital because when you're in a connect group with, say, four other families, you have a lot more intimate knowledge about their weekly movements and their plans, and you might look out and say, well, see, I know the Brown family aren't here today. Oh, I hope they're okay. No, I had dinner with them this week, and I know they're a festival. You see, when you've got that intimate relationship, you can do life together, being assembled together. 
in a small group and in a large setting. Let us not neglect coming together in this way. Jesus with us, individually, us worshipping him individually, but then us corporately worshipping God together. And then it says in verse 4, he commanded them. This often I looked at the word of this and it's, it's, a, it's a direct instruction. It's a declaration, it's a proclamation, it's the way Jesus spoke. He would say, this is how you should live. And I wonder how we operate under the command of our Lord and King. Do we treat what Jesus says as a command or we take it as a suggestion? There's a lot of choices that I think we make that are just our preference, but they're not submitted to God as Lord and King. Interesting way to look at it. Good news is he commanded them to wait for the promise of the Father. God's blessing for us is on the other side of our obedience. So whatever God asks you to do, whatever Jesus says in his command or his instruction or his invitation to you, if he says wait, wait. If he says move, move. If he says serve, serve. If he says give, give. But this shows us that God's blessing is on the other side of our obedience. When you wait, you will receive. When you serve, you shall, you know. So there's so many different ways to look at that, but God's blessing is on the other side of our obedience. And then finally in verse 4, Jesus says, which you heard from me. We each, God speaks to all of us, and we each should be carrying what God says to us. And, and uh, I often give the advice, and now I find myself giving the advice to myself, is when someone's going through a, a valley of, of decision or indecision, I always say to them, what's the last thing God said to you? Go back to that. And if they're not sure about it, then we can sit down and we can ask God what he would like to share. But there should be moments in your walk where you have a, a season of revelation where you hold on to it and you go, you know what? I have no doubt. It is unshakable, my resolution, that this is what God has said to me about this coming season. That's what you go back to. That's what you lock in on. That's what you hold on to. And that's what you check yourself against, which you have already heard from me. God is not silent. Let us always come to him. And finally, in verse 5, is as far as I want to go today. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This is the promise that the Father gave. And this is the, the highlight for me of just this short passage. Because we know the period of 40 days is a period of preparation. We know that um, Jesus has said, you're being prepared for what the Father has promised you. And then if you look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's described in verse 8. Power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You'll be witnesses to Jesus. Not witnesses of, as in I saw him, but witnesses to him, giving testimony, giving glory, and giving direction to others. But none of that happens unless we receive the power that God's got available for each of us. So I believe just this short group of verses show us 
that we're in a season of preparation and it's preparation for God's power. The reason we need God's power is because we're going to be witnesses to Jesus. Isn't that what the church is supposed to be? Whether we're together here, whether we're out in a cafe, whether we're taking a friend for a walk, or whether we're having dinner with others. God is stirring people. God is creating a... I believe God is creating a disconnection in many ways that's going to urge people. It's going to create a compelling drawing back to himself. So don't be surprised. And uh, Rich and I just was talking about it this morning. Don't be surprised if people are inquisitive, if they're searching, if they're going to reach out to you and ask you a question about your faith or church or, or something that's happening from, from your perspective as a believer. Because, I mean, hopefully they know you're a believer of Jesus. You become the message. So as I, as I wrap this up and point us towards the, the communion table, I just really wanted to emphasize today that church without walls, wherever we are, is about the lordship of Jesus Christ in us first. First in us, so that we can go. And I want to point us to the communion message this morning and just say right at the beginning in verse 3, we see that Luke is writing and pointing to those that were chosen by Jesus. And there can be a debate about, well, am I good enough to be chosen? Should I be chosen? Am I chosen? Is there any hope for those that are not currently walking with God? And I want to say today that the communion message, the elements, they remind us that there's always hope. Just this week, in my quiet time, I was reading the story of a little man called Zacchaeus who heard about Jesus, and Jesus was walking through the city, and he wanted to see him, but he couldn't look past the crowd. So he, what did he do? Climbed the tree. And there in the tree, Jesus spies him and says, Zacchaeus, come down, for I must come to your house to sup with you today. But then read on. The lookers, the watchers, the observers, they said, why would Jesus go and dine with such a pagan, a tax collector, someone who's unclean. The whole point is that Jesus would say, he's come to save and seek that which was lost to his kingdom. So never write someone off. Most importantly, please never write yourself off. Think about Peter, the fisherman, chosen by Jesus. Peter, the, the reckless abandonment he had, he threw away his career as a fisherman to become God's man and messenger to the Jews. Think about Paul persecuting the church. And yet he has his moment on the road to Damascus and he's knocked off his donkey. And Jesus says, why are you persecuting me and my people? And it's this complete turnaround. And, and I, I tell you those three stories to say, don't be predetermining who Jesus has chosen and don't be disqualifying yourself from what God might have chosen you for. And as we come to receive the emblems today, we're remembering that Jesus Christ has paid the price. This is the key for us that opens the door. He is the way to the Father, to connection with him, to be the chosen, to be the ones that, that God would say, I choose you. And we can walk in relationship with him and his plans for us.
So I'm going to pray. And then there's going to be a song that plays. And while that song is playing, um, the words will be on the screen. I encourage you to listen and to watch them. But just come and we invite everybody. Everybody's welcome at this communion table here. You're welcome to come and just take the, the uh, cracker and the juice and head back to your seat. And in your own time, have a conversation with God or use the words of the song to stir you in coming before him, for he has desired to choose you. Almighty God, I thank you for Jesus, who is the perfect Lamb of God, who came to take away the sins of the world. I thank you for his life. I thank you for his message. And even we're grateful for his suffering and death, that it would lead to his resurrection. We confess that we believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who came to earth as a means by which we could gain access to a relationship with God. We thank you for the emblems that represent his body, which was broken for our brokenness in place of that we could be healed and made whole. We thank you for the juice, which represents the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for our sins. The blood that paid the price of our spiritual healing and our reconnection with God. And as we take the cracker and the juice today, we do so in remembrance of Jesus Christ and thankfulness and worship and adoration and with hope and expectation of a life that we live with him. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So as the music plays, please come and receive the emblems in your own time.